<laughs> you see this picture of Big Country I sent you? Like Bryant Reeves? Yeah. No, I didn't see it. What's the last thing I sent you on the Skype uh, chat? What? Oh my god. Is that recent? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. His uh, neck really filled out. (laughs) Hello and welcome to What's the Deal? The Seinfeld Review Show that's a whale of a good time. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is your good friend, Patrick Armstrong. Hello. And myself, Cameron Wong. And today you will be listening to episode 56. That's a five and a six. Mm-hmm. And today we'll be looking at season four, episode 17, The Outing. And it's been a long three months. Mm-hmm. How many months did we decide it was? Three months. It's least. been a long three months <laughs> since we released a new episode. And, you know, if this episode goes as well as the last one, it could be (laughs) another three months. Uh, Patrick, do you want to tell people, you know, what what happened? I don't really remember. We recorded it and it just didn't work. What happened? Well, good good friend Chris Young is currently living in a closet or something like that. Mm -hmm. And... Despite all the money that Obama's poured into it, the internet for closets is not very good. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what it was. And there was weird echoes. <laughs> There's, there was basically everything that could go wrong and still allow us to record did go wrong. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, well, here we are. You know, I'm planning on uh, like visiting Toronto in a month or so. Why is Maybe that? Maybe we'll get to see... Just, just for a little trip. Never been there before. Oh, Don't know okay. anything about Toronto. Well, they got that uh, CN got the Tower. Tower. Uh huh. They got celebrating uh, our national railway. Yeah, they got a basketball team. You could take in a basketball game. Yeah, maybe you could see Drake there. Yeah, you could see Drizzy. The T dot started from the bottom. Now he's here. Um. Yeah, what else? I could maybe meet Margaret Atwood. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely something that could happen. Um, visit much music? Yeah. You could see... Uh, who's the guy that lives in the garbage can on much music? The like Oscar the Grouch-like character? Ed the Sock. Ed the Sock. Ed the Sock. Yeah. yeah. Is he still around? He probably is somewhere in a closet or something. But yeah, but maybe I can see Chris in his uh, prison that he lives in. I imagine the rent must be cheap. I don't really... He tried to explain to me what kind of place he lives in, but it sounds like a, a tiny room. Yeah, he's he's renting a room, I think. But is it like a room in an apartment with other people, or is it just like a room, like like a flop house, essentially? I think it's a room and a house with other people. I think it's like a family. Huh. But you didn't talk to those other people? Well, I don't Is know. Is it like if room you, and I, board type situation? I think so. Huh. I didn't know that still existed. I think it does. Hmm. 
Unless, of course, that's not what he's doing. I mean, he's not here to actually tell us what he's doing, but I'm assuming that that's what maybe, he's doing. Maybe he lives in one of those Japanese-style pods. Oh, man. Like a capsule hotel. Let me tell you something, a little, a little story about when I was in a great country called Nihon. Mm-hmm. That's Japanese for Nihon. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I, I, I was there for about, well, almost, almost a year. And I was staying in a hotel. But one of my, <laughs> one of the things I was always fascinated with was staying in a business pod hotel, right? Like you've seen the pod hotels. Oh, absolutely. What's your thought on a pod hotel? It's like a living coffin. <laughs> well, uh, to my mind, it's kind of part of the Blade Runner future. Okay. You know, you're you're walking outside. Uh, you you have you have a, an umbrella with a neon handle. Mm-hmm. It's raining. It's always raining. It's, yeah, it's raining. It's dark. Uh, you have a paper unicorn in your hand, mm-hmm. and you need a place to put up your weary feet from traveling this future Japanese cityscape. And you're thinking about a tortoise that's on its back in the middle of the desert. Well, I'm not going to help it, obviously, but I I am thinking about it. But why not? Let me tell you about my mother. (laughs) So I was there and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm here on the company dime. I'm staying in this hotel. I've always wanted to stay in a Japanese pod hotel Mm -hmm. so i did what any sort of you know young 20 something with an unreasonable amount of money would do i'm like you know what forget this really nice hotel that i've been staying in that is essentially like an apartment but someone comes in and cleans everything every day for me Mm -hmm. forget this i'm gonna stay this weekend i'm gonna go out i'm gonna find one of these pod hotels and i'm gonna try and live in a pod hotel for two days so uh, I set out with my rudimentary Japanese skills and I would see, you know, a pleasant looking Japanese person on the street and I would say, excuse me, sir, where is a pod hotel? This uh, is the days before Google Maps. This, uh, well, uh, was Google Maps around yet? Uh, probably not. I think this is the MapQuest sort of era. And so I said, you know, could you direct me to this? I'm, I'm a weary traveler. what's their problem um just uh knock the microphone off Uh uh uh-oh it's surface it's fixed now okay you got the nodes plugged back in all all the nodes are back in place got the pop filter back on okay all right so i uh i said excuse me you know as i said weary traveler place feet up where do i go and I, I said this in broken Japanese, and the first few people I encountered obviously uh, just gave me a confused look and kept mm-hmm. walking. <laughs> you know, they were, they were, they were not helpful. Uh, then I saw this lady, and I thought, here is a woman of the world. She has an umbrella like me. Mm-hmm. She is also probably familiar with the concept of being tired. Mm-hmm. She will know where to go. And I, I speak to her. I, I do my best in Japanese. And she smiles and she kind of waves. And I'm following her and I'm thinking, okay, here I go. I'm on my way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this refuge from my beautiful hotel. <laughs> uh, and so 
we enter into a mall and i'm thinking well this is weird but you know what businessman might go to a mall Mm -hmm. right and then she goes into the mcdonald's in the mall and i'm thinking okay well she's probably hungry right if you're a weary world weary person like me you have to refuel you need food Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. and she steps up to the line and she kind of waves me into the line and then she smiles at me and she says Johnny do you know what this means Mm-mm. no it means goodbye and she, <laughs> she left and she left me in the McDonald's and so I thought okay that's enough of this uh, I, I, I cannot communicate with people effectively I, I need to do this a, a better way so I asked a guy, I, I went into the office, I found one of the, the poorly paid Japanese programmers, and I said, you know, I, I want to find one of these pod hotels. And uh, he laughed at me, and then he, he told me where I could go to one. So I get to this pod hotel, I go to check in, I pay for my pod. Mm-hmm. How much was your pod? Uh, I, hmm, that's a really good question. Uh, I was... I was paying on company dimes, so I'm not exactly sure. And uh, they're not very common anymore. Uh, Let's see. uh, Japanese pod hotel. And let's see. uh, Price. So here's the great Green Plaza Capsule Hotel in Shinjuku. Let's see prices. If I was going to check in uh, on... March uh, 8th and leave on the 12th. Uh, 70, $74 for, <laughs> for wow. that many days. So cheap, I guess, is what it comes down to. Hmm. That's, that's really cheap. That's, that's kind of insane, actually. Capsule room for men, four nights, $160. You know what? Um, there's there's a place in New York that is called like a Pod 51 Hotel. Pod is 51, is that the total number of pods available? I don't know, but I remember reading about it a while ago. They were like, they were like now uh, New York is taking on the Japanese trend, but I'm looking at pictures of this hotel. It just looks like a regular hotel. So there is no pod aspect no. to the hotel? No, not at all. Wait, wait, wait. So you didn't finish. So I paid what was presumably uh, my 80 Canadian dollars in uh, yen. Mm-hmm. And I go up. I, I, had a little, I had a little travel bag. You listen to Roderick on the line. I had my small bag. Mm-hmm. And... I put my small bag in my pod, and I had a little bag of chips, and I put that in there too. Mm-hmm. And I uh, sat in my pod, thinking, "Well, this is uh, this is a very nice little coffin I have secured <laughs> for myself for the weekend." But I was like, it's, "It'll be like camping. This will be great." Uh, but I was hungry now. I didn't buy any McDonald's earlier, so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go and get my food." So I, I went out. I had some. Uh, I had some ramen from mm-hmm. a ramen bar. Mm-hmm. And then I might have, you know, had a, I might have had a juice or two, 
And then I might have met up with a couple of people from work and had a couple more more juices. And uh, at the end, I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to go experience this magical world of the future where I'm living in a cramped little space with a, a bad radio and a kind of funky light uh, with a bunch of businessmen. I go back, open up my pod door. There's a kind of belligerent drunk man <laughs> inside the pod. Uh, the bag of chips, uh, he he did not eat them. More so, it looks like the, he exploded the bag of chips. Uh, the chips are everywhere inside. Uh, he's yelling at me profusely in Japanese, and my Japanese was not that good, but he was not happy with me. Uh, I, in English, said, this is my pod and he proceeded to throw chips at me (laughs) and then toss my bag out of the pod and then he slammed the door and locked it and uh i couldn't get back in and so i went to the front desk and there was no one there then i waited and i waited and after half an hour I just went back to my original hotel, <laughs> never experiencing sleeping in the pod hotel. And uh, I, I walked back and it was like it was like a 30 minute walk back to my actual hotel at 2 a.m. It was uh, it was pretty sad, basically, is what I'm saying. Sounds like a terrible story. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's an incredible experience. Not too many people have had that experience. What, so do you think he just won do you think he was just drunk and confused at which pod was his? Uh I don't I don't really know. You know, or I do couldn't you think say he just sure. wanted he just walked into this pod hotel and stole he was this was his his MO. He just walks into a pod hotel and steals the uh steals the pod. Well, I don't know for sure. Like I he was he I, I get the sense he was supposed to be in the pod, right? Like I get the sense he was supposed to be there. So you think they double booked it? But no, think I, I think he got. I think pod. he got into the wrong pod. He was in the wrong pod. But don't they have a key or something? But even though I had, a, well, that's kind of the. I think so. But I mean, like you, you got to remember, like these pod hotels, they were the future, like twenty years before I got there, and they're not very well staffed. They don't make a lot of money. Like all sorts of stuffs broken. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he just put in his key into mine and it just it just worked my understanding is that they're mostly for like businessmen who stay out drinking and are too drunk to get home yeah yeah uh that that is kind of it right like even though i invoked the blade runner future i i don't actually feel like i participated (laughs) in that future (laughs) i felt like i got to see a drunk japanese man rolling around in the bag of chips i had purchased Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Was it a small bag of chips or a full oh, size? It was, it was a big one. It was size bag. pizza pizza flavored too. Unbelievable. Did you buy yourself another bag of chips? Oh yeah, I, I kind of had a bit of a, I had a, I had a bit of a taste for the pizza flavored chips while I was there. They're they're pretty interesting. They had uh, they had like an Italian flag on it. I bet I can find them on. Uh, oh yeah, here it is. Calbi. Calbi pizza chips. I'll, oh, they make those. Uh, they make the shrimp chips too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. We'll uh, put that in the show notes in case people are wondering the type of chips I had a bit of a taste for. 
Oh, these look delicious. Oh, you know what? Actually, they have these at the, I guess, ironically, like health food store near where I live. Huh. They have a big chip selection at this health food store. Wow. I like how there's like a potato mayor. Yeah, maybe I'll try these out. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed them while I was there. I'm a little concerned because I typed in pizza flavored and the first auto suggestion was condoms. <laughs> and let's see here. Are there pizza flavored condoms is the top top hit. Mm-hmm. Mm, doesn't look like it. it <laughs> uh, all I all I've noticed is that when I click on it, there seems to be several links to condoms with pictures of beef printed onto the condom Mm, that's really unpleasant yeah i can't actually think of anything much less appealing than that Hmm. so uh patrick in the tradition of what's the deal show how are you today oh I'm, i'm doing pretty well went up to went up to the mountain here went for a little little hike did you have to bring uh oxygen no, it's just a little mountain. Mm. Micro mountain. <laughs> All right. So you went up the mountain. Yeah, I thought about getting snowshoes, but really didn't need them. Just walked on the path. I also went for a hike today. Mm-hmm. Around a Would golf course. Oh yeah. I also thought about getting snowshoes, but then I remembered it's twelve degrees today. So. Mm-hmm. Twelve degrees Celsius. That's right. Like I mean, we, mid, you always, you're, you're always good at that, but I mean, we're always, we're always, aside from you, everyone's talking Celsius on this show. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure when you say 12 degrees, it sounds cold to Americans. Well, it would if they, you know, but I'm assuming people are devotees of the show and they know that this is a Celsius zone. <laughs> okay. I know you're living in the weird bands of comfort theory, but mm-hmm. come on, get real. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about Seinfeld? It's only, what are we, one hour in? Uh, 43 minutes. <laughs> of actual recorded time of the show, maybe maybe 15 minutes? That's not right. bad. That additional like half an hour, that's all cut out. <laughs> that's, just, that's just for us. So, uh, so this week we're looking at season four, episode 17, The Outing. And in this episode, Jerry is set up to fail by Elaine when she identifies someone as eavesdropping on them. And she plays a little prank, pretending that Jerry and George are a gay couple. As it turns out, the eavesdropping party is a reporter for the NYU paper, and she goes ahead and publishes a paper outing Jerry and George, much to their chagrin and the chagrin of their family. Kramer is around. And that's uh, <laughs> that's probably the easiest summary I could give of that one. Um, so we start... Oh, wait, actually, we didn't actually explain. We recorded a version of this episode once before. But the sound quality is so bad. It's basically unreleasable. So this is take two. This is take two. That's going to be our legendary episode. That will go on the DVD extras. Well, it will, but I mean, until the DVDs, the uh, the concert DVDs of What's the Deal show come out. Mm-hmm. What's the Deal live? Mm-hmm. Well, like, 
it will be it'll be legend right we can always like because you remember do you remember in that episode when chris's hair caught on fire while we were recording absolutely and it was crazy right like and you just needed to be there and now that recording's just lost to the ether <laughs> and that's just one of the probably about a thousand to ten thousand incredible events that occurred during that recording mm-hmm. it's kind of exhausting actually it was i mean it was easily our longest episode ever i mean mm-hmm. you know when we hit hour 34 i kind of thought the show was over i was as surprised as anybody that we went over 40 hours <laughs> best show ever <laughs> this one probably won't be so long uh, well, so, well at this rate so we start the episode in a monologue Jerry Seinfeld, tired of birthdays. <laughs> There's some yeah. real mild jokes in here. Yeah, it's it's down there. I mean, I do appreciate it. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree. It's hard to feign being excited for someone's birthday. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's basically two reactions to people's birthdays. Uh, you're either the most excited person. Or you, you know, you just don't care that much, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you get uh, a lot of birthday celebrations at the old, uh, the old schoolhouse? Mm, you know, you might eat a cake and you're like, hey, happy birthday, and everyone has a slice of cake. But that's, that's it. There's not, so who's uh, bringing in the cake? I don't know if people remember. Like, I saw it was some guy's birthday on staff, and I, I was like, oh, I'll, maybe I'll bring a cake in. And I just bought a cake from the grocery store, and I brought it in. Well, that's real nice. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, Chris Chris would defend this, but we, we had a friend who talked about birthday week, like, it's my birthday Ugh. week. I barely want to give a person a full 24 hours. I don't want 24 hours. I need maybe, like, one, maybe even a half an hour. It's, a nice, it's nice to have someone recognize that it's your birthday, because they can remember one fact about you, or at least write it in their calendar as a repeating yearly event. Mm-hmm. Which I recommend most people do, or they looked at Facebook. Uh, that's nice, but a whole week celebrating your birthday. Yeah, I mean, how is twenty-four hours not enough? Yeah. What do you need to fit hours in? Twenty-four hours dedicated to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's upsetting. Um, well, just wait for uh, August ninth. <laughs> Um, what what the day of the week of does that fall on? This year? Yeah. Oh. Um, Patrick, it starts it starts on a Sunday. Oh, wow. You could go you could go nine to fifteen. <laughs> That's too long. Well, here I'm just gonna type in Patrick's birthday week extravaganza from August 9th to the fifteenth. Add event. Oh, wait. Add invitees, Patrick. <laughs> Send. All right. Um, so, <laughs> in the next scene. Yeah, so we start with George in the car breaking up with his girlfriend. She's threatening to kill herself for George. Hmm. Well, I don't know. It's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's kind of delusional. Mm-hmm. 
Um, George is certainly not worth killing himself, killing yourself over. No, definitely not. I mean, no one is really. Well, maybe uh, Kurt Cobain. Did people was did that happen at the time? Do you think there was some? I mean, even his spouse didn't. You know, she didn't kill herself. It's true. Although I do remember on the playground, someone told me that she killed him. Do you buy into that? Is there no. a cover-up? No, pretty sure that was a suicide. Well, Patrick, you uh, you mainstream media types, uh, <laughs> you would the believe MSM. them. That's right. But yeah, yeah, she's pretty upset. Um, so yeah, then we cut to the next scene. We're in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Elaine kind of scoffs at this idea of uh, George, uh, of uh, George's girlfriend wanting to kill himself for her. She also, uh, you know, has some budding remarks for Jerry, and she's a little proud of her acid tongue. Yeah, she's great. Uh, her response is totally correct. Although she is wearing a denim jacket with a denim shirt, hmm. that feels like too much denim. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't there a character later who wears too much denim? Doesn't she even date him? Uh, yeah, denim vest. Yeah. But she, she, doesn't, she doesn't date him. She gives him uh, her sub-club card, and oh, she's yeah. going to get a free sub, and she writes a fake phone number on it, so she's trying to meet up with them so she can get it back. Denim vest. So... Um, Oh, go ahead. Well, so uh, continuing in the scene here, they talk about the ugliest world leader. Do you have a, a thought on this? Hmm, that's a tough one. I feel like uh, what was his name? The leader of uh, oh, uh, the Libyan. Libyan, yeah. Uh, What's his name? Uh oh, yeah, Gaddafi. Yeah, Muammar Gaddafi is that his name? Yeah, that's that's the one. He, in his later years, I, I don't know if he had, a, like, a lot of plastic surgery or just, you know, too many years of oppressing his people and living large while doing it. Mm-hmm. But he looked, he looked like he kind of melted a little bit. Oh, he did. He he had, like, a potato face. Yeah. I, and it's funny because, like, when he was very young, he was quite a handsome leader. But um, I feel like if you're going to lead a revolution, you know, like... Here, let me let me send you this this young photo of him. Okay. Handsome man. Uh, but yeah, in his later years, he looked like just basically like he melted. You know, he was left out in the sun too long. Have a little look at this here. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, quite handsome, huh? Yeah, he was cutting a sharp look, and then uh, you and know. And then I'll send send you a, a later photo of him. Yeah, and now he's kind of potato faced. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? I guess, uh, you know, being a tyrannical despot could, mm-hmm. uh, could do that to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have an ugliest all time, uh, dictator world leader? Oh, well, I don't know. Like the, he's, he's pretty, pretty ugly. Oh, it's photo of him in the seventies. That's pretty handsome. Is that the one I sent you? The color one yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's down there. Um, I don't know who else looks uh, 
Looks looks bad. I mean, there's other like very handsome, uh, like uh, world leaders. Like there's young Stalin. I think is pretty famous. The like 1912, I think, photo of Stalin. So you can see it on Wikipedia. Or 1902, sorry. Pretty handsome. Well, yeah, but he he had like, oh my goodness, look at that hair. He looks kind of like you. He's uh, he's quite a handsome man. Well, he he'd have to be. Oh my goodness. Well, he had to lead a lead a revolution. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, old Stalin. He's still pretty handsome. He's, but he's like you know, like a like a nice uncle, handsome. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess like if we're going with like potential potato faces, I mean Kim Jong Kim Jong Il. Oh yeah. He had some real potato face. Um. Did Winston Churchill have potato face? No, I don't. I don't think he was that bad looking. Well, I, not necessarily bad looking, but did did he have potato face as an old man? No, I don't think so. He just looked like any old man, kind of. Because he was another person who was kind of like he was. Uh, he was like a. He wasn't a handsome man when he was young. He was like a beautiful man. Oh really? Yeah. Here, look. Here's a here's a young Churchill. Oh very. Oh, he's quite beautiful. Look at those soft eyes. Yeah, I know, and he's got that like clear skin. You know, it's like a, it's amazing that he's not transparent. Mm-hmm. And then no. later, you know, the the Mad Dog of London. You know, he was <laughs> taking care of business. Is that what they called him? They called him the Mad Dog of London. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, all right. I'm glad we cleared that up. We'll we'll make sure to put all those in the in the show notes. Collect those. Collate Absol- those, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah. The, um, I have to say most of the world leaders they were talking about, I had no idea who they were talking about. I, I did look up Golda Meir. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that it was as bad as, as that. She's like just like an old lady. Hmm. She just kind of looks like a kind of like a Jewish grandma. Yeah, she's not that ugly. She's just, she's just an old lady. Yeah. So that that one, uh, you know, when I when I looked up who she was, it looked like a bit of a seemed like a bit of a pot shot, really. If anything, mm-hmm. I have to say I don't know that I agree that Charles de Gaulle was super ugly either. Let's see, he was certainly wasn't like like particularly handsome, but he wasn't he wasn't really ugly. No Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> he's he's no potato face. No, he's got that strong nose. Although I have to say, Golda Meir kind of looked the same as a young woman as she did as a grandma. All right. Uh, well, well, we'll definitely make sure to put all of our uh, <laughs> all of these in there. I'm glad we're getting it through it. Hey, uh, so I just found out recently about these rules of the internet. Are you familiar with them? Talking about where it's like you know, like. Uh, here we go. Rules of the internet. Um, where's rule? Hmm. Oh, are you talking about like rule 34? Yeah. Where like anything you can imagine, like 
there's part of it. Yes, that's that's the one. Now, what is the because uh, the, there's other rules, right? What are, what are the rest of the rules? Well, there's a lot of rules. There are, and I just know that one of them is like as soon as it goes to Hitler, it's over. And Jerry drops the Hitler reference pretty quickly here, going straight into the Nazis. When uh, they're, they're trying to convince uh, Jerry to go along with uh, the uh, playing on the eavesdroppers, so to we've been so on point with this episode so the the eavesdroppers are there at the table with them elaine notices and she starts playing up this angle like like they're gay and Mm -hmm. jerry doesn't want to go along with it and george is like tell him to go along and jerry says oh i can just imagine you marching through the streets goose stepping go along go along along. (laughs) and uh it's, it's high stakes going straight into it you know i gotta say that it must have been difficult being a German in those ages, not joining up with the Nazis. You know? Everyone's doing it. They got these big marches. Everyone's rejoicing about uh, about your people. I mean, once you get into the racism, the uh, your race is better than uh, all the others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little, a little dicey. But, you know, it must be hard to avoid millions of people. Uh, yeah. Join up with them. <laughs> I think so. That'd be tough. Um, but yeah, so... Let's see. It's two people eavesdropping. Lane says they're gay. Jerry drops his single, thin, and neat thing. And he gets along well with women. Mm-hmm. Does um, he, though? He doesn't... I mean, he gets along, he gets along well with Elaine. It seems to be it. You know, he's got a terrible problem with Gail Cunningham, we see later. Yeah, like, he he goes out on a lot of dates, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. that, that means he gets along well with women. Yeah, he's good at getting dates. Yeah, and, that, like... He doesn't ever seem to have, like, a long relationship in the show. Yeah, so I'm... I I question the, the veracity of that claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me point out this to you. So, Sharon is the name of the NYU journalist... Mm-hmm. And I have to say, she's not very good at her job here. Oh no! Like this I is her this is her doesn't... first opportunity to actually do a meaningful interview, and she doesn't even show up on time. Yeah, she hasn't been to a comedy club. She doesn't even look at a photo of him to know what he looks like. Yeah, I although like she, I mean, it was before the internet. But I was going to say like she that must have been a picture of him. Yeah, and it's but it's like, why does she even want to interview? Like, what is the purpose if she doesn't even know who this is? Yeah, like, did the editor just assign this to her? Maybe. I suppose yeah. that is possible. However, unlikely. Yeah, she is not a promising young journalist, though. We can say that. But anyway, uh, in summary, she hears the story. About them saying that they're gay. Mm-hmm. And then misses them. So in the next scene, we're in the apartment. George is on about his porno actor name. And Sharon comes for the interview. Buck naked. <laughs> <laughs> buck naked. He's buck naked. I mean, it's a little on the nose, gotta say. Pretty obvious. 
It is. Um, I heard that the way you're supposed to do it is the name of your first pet and the street that you grew up on. Mm-hmm. So what's what's yours? Christopher 43rd Avenue. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is erotic. <laughs> Cameron? Uh, mine would be Killer Cassiar. Killer Cassiar. That's actually not bad. Oh, it's not just not bad. It's it's that's it's legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sounds a little dangerous. It does. Uh, but you know, Fischer forty third Avenue. No, Fischer. Oh, sorry, Fischer. Forty third Avenue. Forty. <laughs> I don't think you you have the avenue part though, right? Because I'm not I'm not Killer Cassiar Street. Fischer forty third. <laughs> What if it was Fishtifer the 43rd? It's a lot of Fishtifers. It is, but, you know, he's the he's the heir to a very uh, sexy legacy. Ooh, it's a little better that way. Yeah. Why Fishtifer? <laughs> I don't know. It was just a fish, and I named him Fishtifer. Is it supposed to sound like Christopher? Yeah. <laughs> Fish defer. So if you had if you had received a dog, would it have been like dog defer? No. <laughs> no. Don't be don't be stupid, Cameron. <laughs> yeah. Why would you think that? You know, it's just uh it's a curious name. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good name. Do you All do right. you stand by that? Do you still Yeah, I think it's a good I think it's a good name for a fish. Hmm. You don't think that's a good name? I think it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's. I'll put it to you this way: it does seem like the name that a a young child might name their fish. Yeah. Uh, but if you're asking me straight up, if I think that's still a legitimate fish name, I don't. I think I'm. I'm not going to be able to meet you exactly. What, halfway what are you going to name a fish? Harold. Uh, I had a fish. Finny. No. Nope. I wish I'd named him Finny. Do you do you want to actually? <laughs> so the name of the fish that I had it was a beta. Mm-hmm. His name was Doctor Fish. <laughs> <laughs> How is that that much better than Fishtifer? Well, I don't know that it is, but at least my fish went to you know medical school. Dentistry. Still a real, still a real doctorate. Still had to study. Still had to be accepted into the program. Fish don't even have teeth. Maybe you're stupid fish. <laughs> um, so George has a terrible shirt in the scene. Uh, it looks like a magic eye. Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, not to give away too many spoilers from the missing episode, but we talked about this at length, and I just can't remember the answer. Can you see magic eye images? If I put a lot of effort into it, I will see it. Like Chris, it'll just sort of like pop in. But uh, yeah, Chris. Chris Young see could that. not. No, he thinks it's a scam. Well, it's because of his single eyeball and an inability to see depth. <laughs> Makes it difficult. Uh, oh well, here let's. Uh... But I know some people can. They can look in a magic eye, and they can just like within like a few seconds see it. Yeah, like I, I, I can do it. Like of, I can do it instantly, basically. I need a lot of effort to uh, 
Steel with the magic eye. Well, I tell you See, what, you, you, you send me one with a solution that you've seen. And then send it to me, and we'll see how long it takes for me to see what it is. We'll have to find a magic eye then. Well, I, I already sent you that Simpsons one. <laughs> yeah, but see, the ones with the big pictures I find too too distracting. Easy magic eye. So well, you don't have to find an easy one. You can just find any normal one, and I will I will try and do it to show my dominance, my superiority of vision. Okay. See, but it has the name of what it is. Well, send it to me as a tiny URL or something. Well, it'll still expand. Or Earl, as you might say. Okay, here, I got one for you. Now watch, I won't be able to do it after all this uh, pressure. Whoa, this one's really big. And you've seen the solution? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I can't I can't do it. The pressure. It just looks like words are popping out. I don't actually see it. Oh my god. Can you do this one? Can you see no, it? No, I can't I can't do it at all. No, I don't I don't know what it is. It's a shark. There's a shark in this one? I can't I can't I can't even begin to form the image. It's so big. I wonder if I if I shrunk it down, does it auto resize? Could I see it now? No, it's not a shark. It says 404. <laughs> Why would you say it's a shark? It's not a That's shark. That's what it said. It said it was a shark. No, Maybe it's a, it was a trick. It, it says 404. Huh. It's a trick. Yeah, I had to shrink it down when it was really big, like the full size of my monitor. Uh, it was like impossible to do. Okay, give me, I, I, you know, that was not good. I, I can do this. I could have, I could have done it. But faster. you just found the four hundred four. That's true. You proved it. I was just All unhappy. Right. I, I wasn't fast enough. So anyway, we proved that you can both do a magic eye. It's very mm-hmm. difficult for me. It's one of my superpowers. Sharon comes into the apartment. She has a terrible college outfit. She has like a weird long sleeve t-shirt with like a zipper. She looks kind of grunge, like she's kind of tapped into the Seattle scene. She's kind of grunge, but she's also like a little bit prep with that like shirt with the zipper. It's yeah, a, the, the high-waisted jeans. Yeah, it's it's a weird look. She's kind of a half-assed grunge. Um, I think she looks okay though, actually. Now. Is it just me, or is George seemingly uh, uncharacteristically acting in a bizarre manner in this scene? Yeah, he's not acting normal. He's kind of like, I don't know, like... He's acting like a stereotyped gay man, is essentially what's happening in this scene. Yeah, I wonder if the, the director requested that, or if it was just like... Jason Alexander was like, well, they think I'm gay, so this is how I'm gonna act. <laughs> I know what to do. I've seen the birdcage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, George totally, totally derails this entire thing. Yeah. Um, now, I have another theory in this scene. So, as they're doing the interview... You know, you, you can see that it's going sideways, that she has ideas. Jerry's trying to put it together. How does he know this woman? 
Yada, yada, yada. In terms of the quality of yourself as a reporter, I have a theory that it's directly proportional to the amount of times that you run away from an apartment after completing an interview. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like ideally the interview candidate, uh, they may not like the questions you asked, but they don't feel like you were dishonest. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's a funny scene ultimately, but it is kind of, uh, maybe we can attribute it to her being a student, but the fact that she literally bolts (laughs) from the apartment, uh, strikes me as, as pretty funny. I don't understand why she felt like she needed to bolt. Like they're not going to beat her up. Yeah, actually that's a very good point. Like, somehow they were going to stop the story by keeping her in the apartment for a couple more minutes. Yeah. Like they're going to, I don't know. Just keep her in the apartment forever. Yeah. Maybe. Although maybe she had to run because George said that he would have sex with her to prove he was not gay. It's true. They were, they were being very weird. George mentioned that her, his father is gay as a way of proving that, uh, that he is okay with gay people. Although, as like proof that you are not gay, I'm really not sure what that's what that's offering. I think that was to prove that he's okay with gay people. Yeah, it was part of the uh not that there's anything wrong with that shtick. But I did think it was funny because in the middle of like uh their denials to kind of when Jerry's like, I know a lot of gay people, and George is like, My father's gay. Uh, it, it does seem kind of classic because it seems like the sort of thing that you might say just only in a panic. In no world in your rational thinking mind would that be a person's response to this problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely weird. But in any case, they're out. They were never in. And uh, so, yeah, they're uncomfortable. So the next scene... Jerry's uh, talking this over with Elaine. There's this weird thing where Elaine is wearing this enormous parka, mm-hmm. and she won't take the parka off. Mm-hmm. It's a little irritating. It's definitely way too big. Like, it's not just the fact that she's got that parka. It's like that parka is designed for a person twice her size. Do you just think she thinks it's cool? Um, I think maybe she's cold. You know, I, I've worn a jacket inside before, but I would—I might only wear a jacket inside if I was going to leave, you know, if I wasn't going to be there for very long. Yeah, save some time. Yeah, but if I'm going to be there for, you know, even like 10 minutes, I'd, I'd take off the jacket. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, it's, is that kind of like a, a societal rule that she's breaking? Is she meant to have the jacket off? I think if you sit down like i think if you're in some place briefly enough that you never sit down you can keep your jacket on if you sit down you gotta take it off what about in a restaurant i mean if the restaurant is really cold you can keep it on but otherwise you gotta take it off well i mean if it's like a like if it's a, like a proper restaurant if you're in a mcdonald's or whatever it's fine or the McDo's, as you call it now. Absolutely. 
Are, are people calling it that out your way? Mm. Mm. Yeah, actually, yeah, they would say McDo. Yeah, the McDo. And it's kind of catchy. Like, I'm kind of surprised that we're not saying McDo. Mm-hmm. Very friendly. It is. Like, although, do you have a slang term for McDonald's? I feel like everyone's got their, their own. I feel like people say Mickey D's a lot. Mickey D's. I think I just say McDonald's. I think I say McD's. Usually I say home of the Whopper. <laughs> uh, cool treats, hot eats. We treat you right. Tim Hortons. So. <laughs> so, yeah, we also have Kramer coming because um, there's this whole issue with um, Jerry's birthday. Elena's gotten him a two-line phone. George got him tickets to Guys and Dolls. Kramer comes in with a birthday gift for Jerry. Happy and, birthday, Fauba! Uh, and is it Jerry's birthday? No. It's a little early. So, uh, Kramer also has given him a two-line phone. And I have a question about this. Can you use a two-line phone with only one phone line? Mm, I think no. I think you need two phone lines. So, how is this working? Maybe Jerry already has two phone lines. Did he have one just for his computer so he could get on uh, dial-up internet? Yeah, get on AOL. CompuServe. You know, I already knew this fact, but AOL makes so much money from its dial-up subscribers. And the fact that I read, they, they estimate that 35 to 60% of those people are people who don't know that they're still paying for the service. Well, how much do you think AOL costs now? Per month? Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe like the cost of Netflix, like $8. $8. Although I could just see you get email, the, maybe I could just see that people yeah, maybe people are keeping it around for their email. But maybe people just never figured out how to unsubscribe. I can't even figure out how to subscribe to AOL going on to AOL.com. You've got mail. <laughs> that was so iconic that you've got mail voice. I, I was kind of disappointed when I first had an internet. Uh, like email account I guess you have to have an internet email account but when I had my first email account uh, I was somewhat disheartened to find out that my computer was not going to verbally announce the arrival of mail Mm -hmm. I also kind of had the idea that uh, email kind of worked like it did in the first Mission Impossible movie Mm. Are, are you familiar with that uh, I don't remember exactly what happened with that. Let me let me send you the link uh, so we can put it in the show notes for inquiring viewers. But in the scene, uh, what happens is that he, uh, Ethan Hunt, is trying to send out like a big endless swath of emails to kind of like canvas all these potential uh, people who might be the villain. And as he types out the the emails. He types them out, and then there's an incredibly complex animation of the paper folding up, shooting into an envelope, a stamp attaching to it, and then it flies away, kind of like it's an airplane. Well, it needs a stamp. 
Uh, Mission Impossible, uh, Job, like, uh, it doesn't, it might not be, uh, it might not be on, on YouTube. Someone, some, some rights holder, Sony or somebody may have aggressively made sure that it's not available to us. But anyway, you're disappointed that it didn't look like that. Yeah, like I, I wanted it to be as exciting as that. Man, do you remember the first email you ever sent? Um, maybe I, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, I, I, I didn't get to have my own email account for quite a while. So I, I think I might have sent an email once to like someone from my parents account i was actually thinking about this the other day it's kind of it's kind of a sad story but my mom you know she's she's a very chatty person all right she'll talk she'll talk to anybody and some guy came into an office where she was working and he knew all sorts of stuff about the internet and i don't know and she and my mom knew that i would be impressed Mm mm-hmm and she's like, oh, and the guy said you can uh, email him about some stuff and uh, he can tell you these computer things. And I was like, oh, my, okay, sure. So I spent all this time writing him a very earnest and uh, honestly far too impressed with this person that I've never met email. Uh, and uh, I bet you can guess what happened. He never responded? He never responded. That's upsetting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I felt like an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, hey. I was anxiously checking my email, waiting to hear back from this person. Never happened. You think you didn't know how to read his email? It is very possible. <laughs> you know, it was, it was the salad days of the internet. Maybe he just didn't have time to give her you a reply. You know, he only had a hundred hours of simpatico. That is also quite possible, you know, mm-hmm. or or maybe he got one of those early uh, internet viruses and just, just died. Mm-hmm. They were vicious back then. Absolutely. Skull yeah. on the screen. Oh, jeez. Yeah, well, those are bad ones. The uh, heart bleed. Mm-hmm. The I, I love you. Mm-hmm. The New Year's Eve one. There was that one with the uh, tennis player. And a cornicova. I actually don't know what you're talking about for that one. There's a it's called like a cornicova virus where uh, there was like a famous famous uh, tennis player who I guess was attractive and yeah, Anna Cornicova. And it'd be like it would be like Anna Cornicova, nude pics or whatever. And, oh, it's, uh, and it's, like, it's like from your mom. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I'm glad that my mom knew that I uh, had to uh, had to see these naked pictures with the mm-hmm. uh, strange .jpg .visual basic uh, file format. Yep. Okay, so so you go to open it, and then what happens? I don't remember. I think it just deleted everything on your computer or something like that. Oh, so is it, it is kind and of it forwarded itself to everyone in your like Microsoft Outlook address book or something like oh, that. Oh, so it was just like the "I love you" then. Mm-hmm. I think actually maybe it didn't actually do anything bad to your computer. It just 
forward it out. So. I love you. That that one was vicious. Mm-hmm. But that one do. Um, that one, you know, it it overwrote a bunch of stuff and uh, did all that, and then it it did the same thing where it sent uh, copies of itself to everyone in your address book through uh, Outlook. Oh, I see. It deleted all your image files. And then there was uh, there was that one that one for Windows XP for a long time that uh, just caused your computer to automatically restart. I don't remember was that Heartbleed. No, Heartbleed was a recent one. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember what that one was called. Yeah, I don't remember either. But I remember somehow my laptop got it, and I had to like. I could delay it somehow. I don't remember how, but I could make it so I could work the computer for like 30 minutes and I had to try and connect to dial-up internet with my laptop because where I was didn't have any wireless or high-speed internet and download the patch before it force reset my computer. Nice. Yeah, it was a bit of a pain. <laughs> I think there was something you could type in like the run prompt to delay it by like 30 minutes. To buy yourself another 30 minutes. Oh, maybe, yeah. I, I, I had to do research on my work computer. Like, uh, how do I deal with this when I get home? <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so somehow we got to this from Jerry's two-line phone. Yeah, so anyway, um, he's got these two lines. It's a weird present that they're both giving him, but it must have been like a trendy thing or something at the time. Mm-hmm. Kramer says that weird Faruba thing, which... I looked up on the internet and I could not see any evidence that it means anything. It's uh, it's old Dutch. Oh, oh, you it found means, it. It means great friend. Wow. Uh, How do you? Oh. I I made that up. Oh. <laughs> um. But yeah. So Jerry's excited about this two-line phone. Wants to test it out. Sharon mm-hmm. calls. She says she's not going to play at this angle. Jerry switches the other line, says he thinks they fooled her into thinking that they're straight. What a relief. She could hear him on the other line. What a relief. I got to speak uh, about like her being a bad reporter. I feel like outing someone maybe that was seen as okay in the 90s but i feel like it was was a big scoop back in the day to out somebody yeah seems like pretty bad behavior uh yeah absolutely like it's it's incredibly distasteful and it happens very rarely now and yet when it does uh generally speaking the journalists involved are met quite harshly yeah the reputation suffers yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a pretty awful thing to do to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, also of note during this scene, I, I couldn't help but uh, notice that George is not phased at all that Jerry is like, hang on, I'll put you on hold. Like, Jerry never had the ability to do this before mm-hmm. <laughs> in all the years he's known him. And he's like, hang on, let me take care of this. And then George is like, I heard you on the other line. And, you know, m- maybe it's just getting caught up in the moment, but... I'd be suspicious if I was George. Yeah. If you, honestly, if you said you were putting me on hold, I would still be surprised. I don't know how to do that on my phone. 
I think it has that feature, but I have no idea how to do that. Yeah, there's there's literally a button on the iPhone on the screen that says hold. Can you talk to someone else? Yeah. I've never done that. Have you ever put someone on hold? Uh, sometimes if somebody else calls me and maybe I'm 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 waiting to I'd been waiting to talk to the other person or I needed to talk to them just like briefly because something important was happening. That's amazing. You must feel like a real big shot. Um, not really. <laughs> no. It's weird. Why would I feel like a big shot? Two line foam. No. No. All right. So anyway, it's discovered that Sharon heard this. We fooled her thing. And? And uh, Jerry's got to figure out what's going on. Oh, well, yeah, but she's no longer on the line. Oh, she's yeah, she's gone. She, she, once again. She bolted from the apartment. I was going to say, uh, just in line with her typical journalistic practices, she has run away like a coward. And I mean, like, what? Once again, why would she hang up if she if she was worth her weight in salt or whatever you measure the weight of a, a journalist in? Gold, gold, golden, golden boy journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would you would probably stick around. You'd be like, hey, listen, I heard what you just said. Now I know it's the truth. Instead, she's running away again into the night. Yeah, she could have asked a follow up question. She could have done a million things. She's going to get maybe a C plus at best on this story. Yeah, like, and she's a, she's a student. You'd think she'd have the most, like, vigor. You'd think she would, she would have the sort of journalistic integrity and, uh, I don't know. Yeah, she's not beaten down by life again. Yeah, exactly. She's supposed to still care. I don't know. I don't know what's what's wrong with the with the students these days. You know, how do you even honestly these days as a as a journalism professor, you know, people are paying $10,000 at a prestigious university to maybe take like your journalism class and this like little practical section. How do you honestly do that? How can you do that to a person? How can you take their money? Yeah, I don't know. They're just going to work at BuzzFeed. At best. How much do you think you make writing articles for BuzzFeed? I have no idea. Like, it's got to be... in New York, right? Um, I don't know where it is. Probably. But presumably you don't need to be there to work for BuzzFeed. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, But, I mean, like, you've got to be working for pennies at BuzzFeed. Like, did you work at the... uh, Did you work... Did you watch the... Bojack Horseman TV show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. That. And there's there's that guy. Oh, I who... see. Staff writer, Buzzfeed. Thirty four k, thirty five k. That's that's not good for being in New York. You make thirty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, that's actually a lot more than I would have thought. Given, like, honestly. The amount of time required to, and I'm using the term loosely when I say write a BuzzFeed article, how much could it possibly take you? Uh, yeah, 30 minutes? But to... you know, I bet, I bet they've got, 
you know, I mean, I bet they've got like freelance writers too. They're being paid a lot less. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't consider that because, like, uh, honestly, I feel like I could generate a BuzzFeed article in thirty minutes to an hour. You know, I, I write a kind of funny list with like twenty three items on it, and then I find a bunch of like animated pictures to slap on there. Yeah. Done. Um. All right. So let's see. Elaine has she tries to go talk to this reporter, convince her to not run the story. Mm-hmm. She goes to the dorms. She goes to the dorms, doesn't take off her coat, and it does not go well. Yeah, everyone I, hates Elaine keeping on this coat. It's it's a six second scene essentially, mm-hmm. and. I, I don't know, it's just like, so there's the six second scene, if you watch the DVDs, there's actually a massive, massive, massive um, scene here. Like it's, well, massive for TV time, right? Like when you consider TV editing, you don't have much time. The scene is like two and a half minutes long. So the episode length runtime with this in there would have overrun by, you know, like 10% almost, right? Like two and a half minutes is is huge. And it's a pretty good cut because if they don't, it's it's total excess. But it is kind of interesting to see um, this scene because you see Sharon act as kind of both student and reporter more than I think you see for the entire episode. Mm. Right? Like she actually for being in such a critical position in this episode does very, very little. She doesn't get very much screen time. Like her biggest scene is interviewing Jerry and George. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, I just think it's, I just think it's interesting. So what was acting like in this, this scene? Um, she's a bit wooden. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't get the sense throughout this entire episode that she's really a great actor or actress, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, it's just interesting because, like, when you watch the episode as it is, I think my first impression that was that she was just kind of this way because that was how she was acting, not because it was kind of wooden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this kind of greater context, it feels more uh more like she's actually just not a great actor uh there's a little hint of uh, your car is on fire sort of idea if you're familiar with the your car is on fire concept mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah so anyhow uh much like that scene i have uh, ran on an extended <laughs> period of time talking about it so uh, back at monks yeah so everyone hates Lynn keeping on this coat and Elaine gives Jerry birthday present. It's the Bette Midler Collected Works, which uh, he is not happy with. That's Bette Midler, very popular among gay men. Is she? Yeah, absolutely. Why is that? Um, she's in musicals. She's on Broadway. Is that... 
Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, She's I just, a gay icon. Is she? Absolutely. Oh, man. I like mean, I guess, like I guess she, she uh, you know, uh, she went by the Divine Miss M. Mm-hmm. Well, she had that, uh, she had that whole album that was called that, right? Mm-hmm. And she, I think she even sang at, like... Oh, yeah, it says right like there. she gay she came, events? Yeah, she uh, came to prominence in the 1970s singing uh, at a local gay uh, bathhouse. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I assumed based on the reaction of that scene, but uh, I didn't know that about Bette Midler. Or as I typed into Google, Bette Milder, which is also the type of sausage I have. But yeah, um, so he's not happy about this. They have the article. Been outed. Talking about his companion. His fastidious bachelor pad. It's a little, a little upsetting. Back at the apartment, they're talking about the same thing. Kramer's upset. Thought they were friends. Didn't tell him anything. Yeah, uh, I, I actually love uh, Kramer's reaction shot scene here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it feels kind of like. <laughs> It feels really honest in some ways, both to the character and maybe to a real-life response, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, even though I think you could uh, very successfully argue that, you know, it's not even your close friend's business, I think a lot of people will probably feel hurt in some ways, right? Like, oh, you couldn't trust me with this or whatever. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's like, it's a funny scene, but I actually like it because it rings somewhat genuine to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think Kramer's being totally unreasonable here. You know, especially if if it was like Jerry and George being a couple. Mm-hmm. Like if it was just someone being, like if someone was just gay and you know, like not telling anyone, like any of their friends, uh, I could see like them thinking like maybe you know they'll being in denial or something. But you know, if it's George. Yeah. I could see I could see Kramer's point of view here. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh but and, no, uh, it's 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 just so good. And then honestly, the only thing that makes this scene better is uh his reaction when Jerry kind of uh rebuts his comment about how the masquerade is over. You're thin, neat, thirty or whatever, or single, and uh Jerry just says, So are you and honestly, Kramer like vibrates like a jackhammer is going off or something. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and he just kind of like that's kind of it for him in the scene. You know, he's he's just shocked. You got to leave on a high note. Yeah. Um, and then we get a call from uh, Jerry's parents, George's parents. The Jerry's parents are upset about those damn culottes. They made Jerry wear. She got them in the girls' department. And, uh, you know, George's mom, obviously very upset, and lights are right in the hospital. She fell, fell right, right off the off toilet. toilet. <laughs> Half naked. Yeah. Um, this scene with the parents, the only scene, basically, in this entire episode that I feel somewhat uncomfortable with the reaction is the parental reaction, specifically Jerry's parents. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that his mom calls and is apologizing to him for making him gay. Um, maybe in 1994, uh, the progressiveness of this episode would have impressed me regardless of this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it kind of stands now, it's kind of like painful because it once again, it kind of rings true that I think that that could be a real world reaction that a parent might have and that they would be apologizing to their children for making them gay. Uh, feels like both like incredibly hurtful uh, and like alarmingly real. Yeah. But as it turns out, it was just the culottes, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all fine. Uh, whereas uh, as kind of like uh, the other side of the coin, I actually think george's mom the scene works well but it's because george's mom has already uh been kind of identified as like very dramatic and larger than life in her responses so this seems kind of appropriate for her and it also has like maybe one of the best callback jokes in all of seinfeld yeah it's amazing because the last time she was in the hospital same room uh it was during the contest george was very distracted by the a sick woman in the next uh, bed who's getting a sponge bath. In this scene, there's a very handsome man who is sick getting a sponge bath. And they use the same dialogue. Uh, Yeah, and and George looks like he's seeing a ghost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like a horrible, horrible ghost. And he even is ignoring his mom again. And, you know, the other time is because he was, like, so happily intent. And this time it's because he's, like, so terrified about, I don't know, like, what what this might mean. Like, if the universe is conspiring against him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Maybe he was in denial this whole time. Oh, my goodness. The uncomfortable truth. Okay, so back at the coffee shop. They're discussing the situation. A Marine comes up to them, wants to say that they're an inspiration because he was discharged from the Marines because he was inspired by them. Like, this is in the... this Is is this the height of don't ask, don't tell? Or is this, is this mm-hmm. like, don't... Is this don't... Don't do anything? I think this would have been after don't ask, don't tell because that was an early Clinton thing. Wow. Um, so I guess he told and uh, that got him a discharge. Well, I don't think, I think specifically he has not been discharged yet, just that Jerry is an inspiration to him, and that even though he will probably be discharged from oh, the I army see. that he loves, you know, from the uh, army of one, <laughs> uh, Jerry is an inspiration to him, and so he's, he, he's going to live out, mm-hmm. be his true self. Uh, ultimately... This this scene's kind of horrifying, uh, because it's like, this man has made, maybe, you know, Jerry has done some good and has, you know, inspired this guy to, like, live the way he always wanted to live and be open and honest, but it's all based off of a lie. Hmm. What's that, uh, idea, there's, like, some philosopher, like, the noble lie or something? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Where, like... It's kind of like the idea that um, like the Bush administration used to justify like lying about weapons of mass destruction in the Iraq War. That like if like there's an untruth that is knowingly told by like an elite that maintains like a social harmony or advance an agenda, it can be like worthwhile. Maybe it's uh, like huh. the the ends justify the means. I guess so. 
was there a philosopher uh, associated with that? Yeah, it was uh, Plato, I think. It was in the Republic. Hmm. I thought that was just about the uh, platonic relationship. That was one of the many things that was mentioned in in that. Um, in that, in anyway, that fine publication? I, I think that the noble lie is probably, like, probably not ethical. So I mean, you're probably right that uh, him doing this based on a lie, while probably good, the uh, motivation was not good. In politics, a noble lie is a myth or untruth, often but invariably of a religious nature, knowingly told by an elite to maintain social harmony or to advance an agenda. The noble lie is a concept originated by Plato, as described in the Republic. Interesting. See, Patrick, a lot of people think, what's the deal show? Yeah, I'd like a little entertainment. But people who listen to the show regularly also know they're going to get a little dose of knowledge. Mm, Knowledge bomb. (laughs) Soy bomb. Mm. They're going to get an education. Is it like that main education? may not be the most accurate education. may not be the most useful. They might sound smart at a party. They can pretend that they read the Republic. Well, as long as this is going on, I I might as well send along this classic, classic, classic image to you based on our current conversation. Uh, So, yes, the the noble lie, the Marine comes up. um, (laughs) And then the manager comes over because George is yelling. At the top of his lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? This is kind of like a whatever scene, but it is notable because it features the manager because he has some interesting scenes over the years. Like, he's not a very common character, uh, but he does appear several times throughout the uh, proud history of Seinfeld. Yeah, well, you know, I like this scene, actually, because, you know, as we mentioned, there are some problematic elements and while the show is probably progressive for the mid nineties, uh, there there are definitely problematic elements. But this is at least it's implied that he's a you know he is a gay character, and he asks them to quiet down a little. But he's he's not you know really like a gay stereotype, and you know he's in charge and like lays down the law, and uh, you know just tells them to simmer down. You know I like him. Yeah, I, I like him too. He uh, he doesn't take any guff. Mm-mm. Like if there's guff to be had, he's gonna give it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so in this scene, uh, George does realize, of course, that uh, every cloud has a silver lining, and he has discovered the uh, the silver lining to the situation, which is that um, his current girlfriend, what's her name, like Susan or. Miranda, I don't know what her name is. I don't know. Uh, the the kind of crazy lady uh, has not read this article, mm-hmm. and this is going to get him out of his problem. And yet, in the next scene, she's so bizarre and so utterly dense that there she is in the car reading the article, and she's like, "Oh, this is nice. I'm happy for you. Look, they mentioned your name in the article." Like she cannot pick up or yeah, understand did she just not the read subtext. The words? <laughs> There's no subtext. The article is about them being a couple. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think at any point they out and out say, like, Jerry Seinfeld and, you know, his, like, his lover. But, I mean, it's there, right? It's not It's not hidden. 
Mm, I mean, they say in, they say, yeah, it is strongly implied. You know, they say companion. Yeah. Fastidious like, bachelor pad. There's, there's no way a normal human being above the age of, like, say, maybe 10 Mm-hmm. would read that and not understand what the implication is. Mm, absolutely. And yet this this lady is so bizarre that it's like she's just like scanning for George's name. She's like, no, this is nice. Yeah, she doesn't get it at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, so George decides he's going to prove it. He's going to take him to Jerry. Sort take this him? Thing up. Or take her to Jerry, sort this whole thing out. Meanwhile, Jerry is at the apartment. He's trying to explain everything to Sharon. They're sitting on the couch making out. Um, listen, I'm happy for Jerry. You know, I'm glad that he's been able to, uh, <laughs> uh, as usual, turn this uh, situation to his advantage, I guess. Even Steven. But, once again... Sharon is proving herself to be just the worst journalist going. <laughs> yeah, it's a little cool. <laughs> uh, you know, she's she's basically like printing slander and unproven lies, I guess. Maybe it's not slander, but you know, she's it's, it's libel. <laughs> and now uh she's just making out with the same person. Like I don't, I don't know. Did she did she miss the journalism ethics class? Did she skip that class? Is That's it in the, the second it, semester? It's next semester. Oh yeah. my god! Um, wait, wait until she finds out about GamerGate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole situation blows up. George shows up with his girlfriend. You know, he's like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" The whole thing falls apart. Terrible. Sharon leaves again. Girlfriend doesn't believe anything. And Kramer is dating a super handsome man. He is. He does. He looks kind of like Kyle McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Maybe even handsomer. Oh, is that possible? He does have that winning smile. He does. Like that's the. I think that's the kind of defining Kyle McLaughlin trait. Mm-hmm. Handsome smile and uh, some damn fine. Uh, Apple pie? Cherry pie? What type of pie is it? I don't remember. I just remember it was pie. The coffee was good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the coffee... The coffee maybe, is... it was, maybe it was the Pacific Northwest, so maybe it was a Rainier cherry pie. Man, you could enjoy that with a Rainier beer if you wanted, though. Rainier, ever, have I ever shown you my favorite Rainier, Rainier beer, beer commercial? Beer. Yeah. beer. The, the answer to that is clearly yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we'll have to make sure to include that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen it, it's a uh, motorcycle making uh, the sounds of Rainier beer, like the the sound of the words Rainier beer as it rounds the corner, cresting over the mountains. Mm-hmm. But man, let me tell you, George owes Jerry big time for blowing this one for him. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you'd make that up, but he's got to do something. Gotta find him a new girlfriend. He has to. I guess so. You know, there's no Tinder. Or Grinder. <laughs> uh, appropriate. Um Yeah, so 
we wrap this up with the monologue. You know, Jerry mentions his hilarious sing single, thin single and neat thesis. And uh, mentions, you know, maybe that to indicate that someone might be gay, she used a vacuuming mime. And he says the really hilarious phrase, you know, I enjoy being gay with you. I don't feel like many gay men are saying that. It's just very polite. Yeah. I, well, you know, to be fair, with my uh, with my uh, girlfriend, you know, I do often say, you know, I enjoy being straight with you. <laughs> you know, I'll we'll just be out for a walk and I'll just mention it. Well, you know, the it's a clear night. It's uh, minus 25 degrees. You uh, you dust the layer of permafrost off from her eyes and you, you gaze you know, longingly at each other and you say, I'm just enjoying this hetero moment we're having. Mm-hmm. I enjoy being hetero with you. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a nice Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It does. <laughs> I enjoy being gay with you. You know, that, that line really uh, did not make a lasting impression on me, yet uh, I have to admit, it's, it's pretty odd. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, all right. Well, that's an episode. So, you know, uh, in conclusion, what do you think? Give me, give me your honest opinion. You know, it's funny. Like, we've talked about how there are lots of, like, problematic elements in this episode. But, you know, I think it's a little, it's a little, like, heartening, like, how... Like, this was seen as extremely progressive and risque at the time. It's kind of, like, hardening how far we've come as a culture that, you know, even this thing that was seen as extremely progressive at the time now seems, like, a little dated and a little bit homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, often, like, explicitly homophobic. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's nice, you know, just for the culture. No, that's positive development. The episode itself, I think there were a lot of funny moments, you know? It was good. The mm-hmm. acting was pretty good. I think except for that one scene where Jason Alexander is playing kind of like a fey uh, gay man uh, fey? character. Yeah. Uh, F-E-Y fey. Thanks. Uh, uh, F- you know, like a Robin Williams character in The Birdcage. Oh, Okay, so kind of uh, the the sort of larger than life, a bit. Uh... Yeah, like a little feminine, I guess you know. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess so, but he wasn't like because like the Robin Williams character is also like like a very like gregarious sort of like gay character, you know, the one who's like kind of. Well, just a little, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. A little feminine. Okay. Well, I, I, um, didn't, I did not know this word, fey. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, that's a bit... Yeah, aside from, you know, overall, I think there's a lot of laughs. It's a pretty good episode. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm inclined to agree. It's, it's a pretty good episode. Uh, for its time, it is generally, I must admit, a pretty uh, progressive episode. And uh, kind of like most things that hold up that deal with kind of controversial topics, you know, in their time or continuing, um, its strengths 
in the episode lie in the fact that there's a lot of kind of like social satire that they're mm-hmm. not making fun of the group or the people's reactions necessarily, but kind of like highlighting, you know, a certain level of absurdity. Yeah. And I think it does say a lot that the only gay character in the whole episode is, uh, like he is kind of like the only character who isn't, doesn't seem like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Like he just is telling them to, uh, like cut the shit. Yeah. Well, and I guess there's also the uh, the Marine, right? Yeah, like they don't. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah like they, the, the gay characters are quite positive, and not, they're not really stereotypes. Yeah, they, I was gonna say they they play against stereotypes, right? Like it it probably would have been way too easy in this episode to like have the person at the you know at the bar at Monks call them over and be Robin Williams in the birdcage. Yeah, uh, that that would have been so on the nose and ultimately, you know, kind of a waste. Or at the very least show that they struggled with what to do. But instead to just have like normal people who happen to be gay as the other like actual gay characters in the episode. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I never thought about that, but uh, yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Good work. Is it Tom Sharon's that wrote this one? Uh, Tom Sharon's is a director, so he almost oh, certainly directed did not write this it. one. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, it's a race. You better not... Oh, you're going to beat me to it. I've slowed down. Uh, Larry Charles. Larry Charles. Tom Jones did uh, direct it, though. There we go. Yeah, so good job, Larry Charles. We've got, we've got all the facts. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, hey, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I like? What? I like going to whatsthedealshow.com, where I can find all of the highly factual fact-checked, double-checked, triple-checked show notes for every episode. Also, I can find back episodes, and of course, always important, a little thing I like to call Other Business. Dramatic pause. Well, this is when the music fits. <laughs> well, the music should have stopped by now. Well, right now it's fading out. If it's faded, if it's faded out too much, I'd say bring bring it back up. Oh, who's this guy? <laughs> uh, so, uh, readers of the internet uh, may be aware of someone called Hot Mugshot Guy who uh, made a big a uh, bit of a splash a while ago. Well, uh, Hot Mugshot Guy uh, has uh, you know he's back in the news. We've never talked about him. I was like, you know what? We should talk about him a little bit. So. A hot mugshot guy, uh, you know, he committed some sort of crime. I, I don't know what he did. Let's see what he did here. He A gun charge. Uh, felony possession. So he's he's going away for 27 months in the, up into Sing Sing there. And uh, the Is he really going to Sing Sing? <laughs> I don't think he's going to Sing Sing, no. Uh, I, I just uh, so seldom have the opportunity to talk about Sing Sing. Don't we all? Uh, but anyhow, uh, he made a splash because apparently uh, people viewed him as a very handsome man. Uh, Patrick, uh, you know, let's. Uh, I want you to take a look at the picture of hot mugshot guy mm-hmm. and tell me what 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 do you think when you look at him? I mean, he could absolutely be like a like a, a model for Calvin Klein or something. Mm-hmm. Very handsome man. Blue eyes. Oh yeah, it's just uh, very symmetrical face, strong jawline. 
prominent cheekbones. Um, so I, I brought him up because it ties in with early in the episode, we're talking about world's ugliest world leaders. Um, and here's an opportunity to have an opportunity to kind of look at some, some mug shots to have an opportunity to take a look at, uh, handsome, possibly handsome people. Uh, and so my first question for you is, have you ever seen, uh, like celebrity mug shots? Um, I think I've seen, you know, I've seen that famous one of Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that one of, uh, um, David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's it. So I'm going to send you a link. This is how our other business is working today. Please follow along, people. Uh, much like in our great uh, inventions one, uh, we will put a link to these. And I'm going to send you the mugshot un- unprompted. You know, you'll have to figure out who it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're just going to do a little. Uh, it's like it's like hot or not. So here's here's your first one. Oh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen, yeah, that's correct. Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> Absolutely. Not so handsome. Not as handsome as a uh, hot mugshot guy. No, definitely definitely not. But uh, I have to say, a pretty nice-looking Tim Allen is like a young man with his the, the hair and the thick mustache, a much thicker mustache than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Like not, not... He actually kind of reminds me of Bob and Bob. Augsburgers in this picture. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This <laughs> next mugshot is. So that's Nick Nolte. That's not a not a good mugshot. No, it's not great. Um, it doesn't kind of like Tim Allen's mugshot expresses a certain level of humility about the situation that he's in. I mean, but this is pretty much what every photo of like Nick Nolte looks like. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like is it, you don't you don't often see him with like you know like a nice smile or anything like that. No, that's that's true. That's very very true. Like you know? I'm looking at Google image image search for Nick Nolte. <laughs> I've seen one nice photo of him. <laughs> this this mugshot of Justin Bieber is something else. Uh yeah okay so Justin Bieber is the next one. Um, do you think so? Let me set the scene. He's it's a young man, Justin Bieber. You know, he's not he's not like the built Justin Bieber of uh, 2015. His hair is all windswept and up, and he's got a huge grin on his face. Okay. Uh, this is like his, his like crash on like red carpet front like smile. Do you think it's important to uh, like? Is it better to smile in the photo, or do you think it's better to have like humility in the photo? Hmm. I feel like you want to have a bit of humility in that photo. Do you think this Justin Bieber mugshot uh, affects the right amount of uh, humility? Absolutely not. He just thinks this is hilarious. To be fair, he's a millionaire, and it's probably an estimate to get out in like two hours. Yeah, like I don't think he's too worried about it. Famous Bill Gates. I've seen this one in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, so this is a this is a classic. Do you know what he was uh, arrested for? Actually, um, I have no idea. 
like an expired license or something like that. Hmm, that's not that's not very exciting. I uh, feel like with the Bill Gates. Careless driving. It is. Yeah. Traffic violation. Yeah. Careless driving getting arrested. Oh. Well, it's, it happens. Uh, okay, so I, I had I had a final one for you here. Let's see. I don't. I kind of lost lost track of it. Is this Misha Barton? Oh my goodness! Jeez, it's not it's not a good one. Uh, okay, so this is. Uh, let's make sure. I, I need a hybrid. That's not a very good one. Um, here we go. This is a classic. Uh, actually, this. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll discuss this a little bit more in depth in a moment, but so oh, I, I, um, oh, you're that Bill Gates thing. Apparently, he was just a bad driver, uh, and he often didn't have his driver's license with him, so he was pulled over for bad driving, didn't have his license with him, so uh, he was arrested. Hmm. So here's your final one. <laughs> wow, you grant. This is a really bad photo of Hugh Grant. So he got a shirt all unbuttoned. It like this looks like maybe he got this on the sale rack at the Gap. Now I, I feel I feel bad in some ways when I'm about to talk about this, but so th- this mugshot essentially is the mugshot that torpedoed his uh, marriage at the time to who was it uh, Elizabeth Hurley was that her name? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I imagine it's still her name. I guess I'm not sure why I'm past tensing that. Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, Yes, so, oh yeah, that's her. So, uh, he was pulled over for uh, soliciting a prostitute. Oof. Divine Brown. That's her name. And I'm just wondering, do you think that this picture, once again, does this affect the correct level of, uh, I don't know, uh, modesty? Was that the word? Deference does to the situation. Like, he does, you know, this is much better than the Justin Bieber one. Like, he does look, he looks embarrassed, he looks ashamed. Mm-hmm. He looks like he regrets what he did. This is a pretty good mugshot. Now, the thing about this mugshot, though, you notice how he's got his uh, sunglasses tucked, or his glasses tucked into the bottom of his extremely open shirt? <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Poor, poor Hugh Grant. Poor, poor Hugh Grant. <laughs> Do you think anyone's going to bother to look at these? Do you think anyone's going to actually go ahead and uh, take take a look at these? Mm, absolutely not. Mm, but you yes. know, man, Hugh Grant. See, was he just was he just cruising around in his car getting a prostitute? Yeah. I feel like he can do better. He could just you know like phone an escort service. He doesn't even. He's Hugh Grant. He he probably didn't need to do that. He could just like phone his like. Uh, he's probably got an assistant. Yeah. Get his assistant to figure it out for him. Yeah. Well, there there's so many choices. Uh, you know, he could have. Uh, he could have made. Man, so this David Bowie mugshot. It's a classic. Uh, the thing about Have the Hugh Grant this? one that I think is funny is that every time I see it posted, people like play with the like color balance values. So the sh- the shirt his shirt color is different, like in all of them. Like here, sometimes they're like more yellow. Well, check this one out. Oh, like this one, he's got a green shirt. 
Yeah, this David Bowie mugshot is kind of great, though. Like, it looks like maybe an album cover. Yeah, absolutely. Very handsome. Very handsome, very well-dressed. His hair is immaculate. It is, although I, I don't think I could go with hair that slicked back. No, but you're not David Bowie. Well, if you are. You know, he looks a little defiant. He does. That side profile, Perfect though, master. man. Well, he's leaning against a wall. No, but I mean the side photo. Look at that posture. It's perfect. Isn't he leaning against something on the side? I don't think so. I think he is. You don't think David Bowie has perfect posture? Mm-hmm. How dare you? I don't know. He has good posture. Man, that's so. That's a show. I guess. I think we're. I think that's a show. Is that a whole show? Yeah. Man. What's the deal show? What's the deal with What's the Deal show? Do you see that they're uh, making a uh, Legend of Zelda live action TV show for Netflix? I did, yeah. What do you think of the odds that's actually going to like bear fruit? I don't know. If they do, it's going to be bad. <laughs> oh my goodness. Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> Patrick, who is that? I don't know. He's got like Krusty the Clown's haircut. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Did you know there was a a hot mugshot girl that went with a hot hot mugshot guy? No. I'll uh, I'll, I'll send you her too. Uh, So, Patrick, Mm -hmm. dear friend, uh, how could people get a hold of us, uh, you know, if they want to send us a comment like, boy, this show used to be a lot better than it is now? Mm-hmm. Used to be a lot more regular, about once a week. Those were, those were good days. Well, they could uh, tweet us on Twitter, mm-hmm. at WTD Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash uh, what's the deal show. Mm-hmm. Um, we post all our episodes in both those places. Sometimes sure, a little picture. Sometimes people comment. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes they'll like a post. Sometimes, yeah. You you know your mom leaves us a nice a nice one. Yeah, she's good at that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Let's see. What else? You can also we're on Tumblr. You just go to what's the deal show dot com. That's the Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, can they can they get a hold of us? What does what is our uh, Bitbucket repository if people want to uh, get involved in the uh, open source effort? Bitbucket.com slash WTV show OSS. Okay, perfect. Um, and if Chris Young was here, I bet he would ask people to leave a review for the show on iTunes because you know we're convinced that helps somehow. Mm-hmm. Somehow in the uh, rating matrices, uh, things are on the up and up for us if you leave us a nice review. So if you want to leave a review from one to five NYU diplomas, <laughs> five being the correct amount of diplomas to award us, uh, you can. Mm-hmm. And of course, if I were me, I would say, hey, thanks for listening to our show. 
as always, I encourage you to go to what's the deal show.com and check out our back catalog. You know, goodness knows when the next episode will be. You gotta, you gotta take what you can get. And there's 55 other gems to go along with this one. You know, mm-hmm. except I, I yeah, was informed at some point. That... Waiting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm waiting. Oh, if you're sitting there waiting for another episode, just listen to a back episode. They're all free. Yeah. What are Re- you complaining about? Stop Re- being a baby. <laughs> Relive the good times, right? Listen to something else. Listen, there's a lot of good podcasts. Listen to Serial. You know what? Serial, the hit podcast that is maybe the most popular podcast in ever, has come and gone in the time between our last episode and this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know and we but, missed the wave of podcast popularity it's too late well you know our producers wisely were like you know what it's like it's like putting your sport event up against the super bowl and so point. as a production team we sat down and we're like you know what we should do uh we can see the tsunami that is serial coming towards us mm-hmm. let's just uh do a sudden unannounced mid-season hiatus absolutely yeah and now that the uh, cereal bowl is empty, let's try and fill it back up with a little bit of What's the Deal show. Yeah, people are looking for another podcast. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, like, it, there's... They're there's curious pe- what happened to Adnan Saeed, but, you know, they don't know what's going to happen. Did they solve that? Did he do it? No one knows. Well... He's got a new appeal. Well, what Sarah happened... Sarah Koenig was on the case. What happened in the last episode, then? Sarah Koenig basically just said... I don't know what happened. Okay. Well, if if we had she a spoiler... about the Best Buy parking lot of Fairbed. Let's, let's play the spoiler horn. Okay, so... Did did he do it? No one knows. I think he probably did it. Wait a minute. Hang on. Let's, let's do this. Uh, hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, a hearty thank you from Patrick Armstrong. Thanks. <laughs> so hearty. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> uh, a richness of thank yous there, uh, and obviously uh, a thank you from myself and our uh, unfortunately absent Christopher Young this week. Thank you very much. Uh, tune in next week when we uh, check out. I believe it's the old man. Next week is what will be. Well, <laughs> next week, uh, I believe we'll be looking at the old man possibly next week when uh, Jerry, Elaine, and George all volunteer to work with the elderly. Uh, Jerry uh, works with kind of like an ill-tempered man who has a uh, housekeeper, I guess, not a maid, uh, who doesn't speak English, who George wants to date. Uh, Elaine uh, helps out a lady with a goiter who may have spent a little bit of time with the Mahatma. And Kramer and Newman try to sell records. See you next week, people. All right, so you think he did it? So you listen to Serial? No, I haven't listened to a single episode. It seems like you probably did it. Uh, all right. So, should we should we do a show? It's only been you know five months or something. Mm-hmm. Our our fan Has base. It really been five months. Well, let's take a quick little look here. It's uh, hasn't been recent. That's for sure. Um, the last episode we released was on October twentieth. Mm, that's not five months that's three months two well, and a half i'm gonna say october november december january february that's how i'm counting to five but you said october 20 something 
I actually said October 20th. Yeah. So that's really only November, December, January. Three months. Three and a half months. Well, maybe if you're a monster. <laughs>